Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Digital Bounds Podcast, episode 44. With me, as always, is Sunny Singh. Hey, what's up? It's Tuesday, August 15th, 7.21 a.m. Uh, we're recording a little later. Normally, we do uh, Sunday mornings or s- Sunday evening, but Sunny was out partying. I was just doing some work, had to work that night, and... Our schedule is really conflicted, so we're recording on a Tuesday. I was not out partying, but... (laughs) Either way, you were up late, Yeah, and you couldn't trust yourself to wake up, so I don't blame you. Then I want to give Leon some some fake hope. Um, I still had some fake hope that you'd be up and you'd text me. I would (laughs) probably have been up. I actually did wake so, up like at 6 a.m. and then just went back to sleep. <laughs> okay, so let's jump into the topics this week. Um, we can start with Anchor because I know you're really into Anchor right now. So what Anchor is doing is adding video transcriptions for their iOS and Android app. So essentially what they're doing is you record your podcast, your your 24-hour segment. You want to share it on Twitter, Facebook, maybe Instagram. But the problem is audio doesn't always translate that well onto those platforms. A lot of people don't have their their audio on. They see a clip from Anchor. They don't know what Anchor is. And the best way for Anchor to do it is actually transcribe that audio and make it to where it understands what you're saying. So it says, hey, this is the Digital Bounce podcast. And as as you're talking, it transcribes it. Uh, They had this feature before, but they took it away and they brought it back and they've made it a lot better and made it easier to use and much more useful. Sunny, what do you think? I think it's like really big for Anchor because it just makes sharing on other social media so much easier. I know some people were actually already doing this before the feature. They were like making videos to post on Instagram, um, just short clips of their Anchor segments. So it's like a good way to promote your station. And I, I personally compare it to like Facebook's when, um, you know, how they have like the auto-playing videos in the feed. So, yeah. so like, you know, you're scrolling through, you're not going to hear the video audio unless you click on the actual video. So a lot of people, they would make these like transcribed versions of their videos or just videos where it's just text um, so that, it, you know, captivates your attention. So I think like Facebook started it um, from that and then it kind of just translates really well to what Anchor's doing, being like audio only. Yes, um, Facebook really did start that that trend of putting text over the video. Um, I think it's This Is My Now or This Is Now started doing it first and they really got big because everyone would just like read the transcribed video, they have a bunch of pictures and then they have music in the background. And then like The Verge started doing it. the outline is really big on Anchor, and they had been doing some sort of um, transcribing of their own videos for a while, and now they're going to start using this tool. So it, it's really cool to see that Anchor understands that they need some way to share their anchors outside of the Anchor ecosystem and podcasting. Because SoundCloud has an uh, online player. You can embed that player onto a website or share that link to Twitter, and you can press play. Everyone associates SoundCloud with music, so their audio too 
So you're able to do that. Anchor is still so fairly new that everyone's like, what's Anchor? Yeah, and there's still some like limitations with this. You can only do a five-minute segment. Um, and the first time I tried this, I actually didn't get a chance to like retry it, so I still don't have a, a transcribed video. But I tried it the first time. It took a very long time to... Uh, like it just it was taking a long time to actually transcribe the video um, and also manually you have to go in and see what errors anchor made while um, automatically transcribing it so it just takes a long time I wish it was a way um, to like just crop the the portion that you want to turn into video which I remember I was tweeting about it and uh, anchor replied to like our, our thread saying that that's something they're working on but there's like some issues and kinks they still need to work on but a feature itself I think is a really great idea yeah I, I took a step back from anchor I I saw Sarah Sarah DeCicci's, um rebranding and brandathon and then I saw her podcast the daily peach and it got me kind of thinking like the digital bounds we have the digital bounds podcast here but then like it's just digital bounds anchor and I was like maybe I want to do something different and we're working on some stuff for that to launch a new product soon and it just it makes me think like because anchor is different like than podca traditional podcasting like this so I'm, I'm i'm in the space like is anchor really working towards becoming the next like podcast like epicenter or are they like trying to f like fork it in a different path like i, I don't know what anchor is doing here i, I think don't, it's I don't like, understand what i think doing. it's a combination of both because remember uh they posted like anchor publish or anchor upload or something um, basically like a way or anchor switch I think uh, where you can switch over from your traditional podcasting over to anchor and you can like you know they're saying like you can upload as you know as, as big of a clip as you want through the the web clipper so I, they're trying to transition like as many podcasts as poss possible over to anchor but then when you're natively listening on anchor you're listening like five minute segments your station is only live for 24 hours so you have to keep recording daily so I think it's a combination yeah, it's very Snapchat-esque, and then it's also a combination of the podcasting, which is forever. So I just, my big request from Anchor is to have ability to host a podcast like this, where we talk for 45 minutes, and instead of putting like a pre-roll, they just put a post-roll, and they don't have to snip it up. You just, you, you have like a section on the Anchor, Anchor app, and you just go... I want to listen to long podcast. I don't want to just listen to like these little segments and clips because everyone's working around the segment, the five minute segment limit. Like, yeah, it's, Sarah, it's a really annoying limit in the context of podcasting. Yeah, Sarah's been doing it. Um, Sam Sheffer, he like records and then he just literally like slices it in a stopping point where he like takes a breath or something and then separates it to two ten, a ten minute into two five minutes. So I, I don't know why Anchor is limiting themselves to like a time limit. I mean, I think it's the same thing as like Twitter or I guess Snapchat probably has a, a limit as well, right? Yeah, it's 10 seconds. Everyone has a limit, but I, I feel, feel like, like, well, cause like you can't currently, I mean, you can go back like 30 seconds, but uh, it's really hard. Like it's, it's five minutes. Like if it was longer than five minutes natively, it would be really hard to listen on the Anchor app just because it's there is no scrobbler right now like it's not a full audio like podcasting app at the moment so i feel like they have to limit it to five minutes and just like that's how it was built from from the ground up to support kind of like short segments it's not full-on episodes 
Okay, I, I guess that is true. You want to have a really good app experience instead of just having having a, an experience where you, Apple Podcasts is you just find something and you listen to it. You don't have to like worry about what you're doing. Uh, I'm still a little like iffy on Anchor. Like I really think it's a great platform and it's going to succeed. At the same time, I don't know if they're gonna like revolutionize podcasting in the way they want to. Well, I think like something we both said is like they really need a paid plan, like for quote unquote professional podcasters or like traditional podcasters. They need a they need a plan for that. Especially as SoundCloud is like <laughs> like collapsing in. Yeah. Uh, Snapchat's I mean Snapchat Snapchat is collapsing in too. Uh, SoundCloud is having a bunch of financial problems, so. Uh, everyone's just like jumping in on this topic everyone's trying to say like this is what they need to do and this is what's going to save them uh but what did save them is a last round of funding and the ceo stepping aside uh, what, what do you think about all this like i i'm very i like this opinion that i'll tell you in a second uh, i mean i haven't really been digging too deep into this uh, i just know they've been laying out an awful lot of staff um honestly like i think right now the community is what's going to be keeping soundcloud up and what soundcloud needs to do is um, just get a team together and and listen to their users and just do you know just continue what soundcloud has been doing from the start um just you know allowing like small artists and and podcasters to grow on the platform so like everyone just loves the platform but they're having a lot of financial issues and whatnot Yes, the, the financial issues aside, like I think SoundCloud is a core part of the internet. They allowed like Chance the Rapper to come up and all these like independent artists to really succeed. Then they slowly transitioned to start hosting podcasting, which was really neat because everyone was like, oh, this is a great place to host your podcast. It was cheap, affordable, and on top of that, there was nowhere really else to host your podcast unless you set up a WordPress and did some you know some some technical stuff that most people didn't know how to do but my big opinion on soundcloud is they're just the, the like the silicon valley like problem here they were like let's just do this cool thing and let's add monetization afterwards and then they started to add this monetization that really didn't mesh with the community no one wanted to pay a hundred dollars a month to like host so many songs um they should have they should have like altered they should have seen that from the start is $99 a month or whatever I think it was $99 a month to host like a limited amount of music online was just not the solution maybe if you offered pro analytics or you offered some more community features or you offered a way to like support your artist and you took a cut of it that would have been more helpful something like along the YouTube route of like like or patreon route of monetizing uh, SoundCloud because pay, having the artists pay they're they're the independent artists that they might just do a show every month and that that's all the money they have so having them to force them to pay isn't really like the solution that I see I think you should have something where people are paying in to listen or paying like for ad free there's just so many other options that they could have went with everyone charges a creator even medium does it they charge the creator but they don't charge the readers or the listeners. And that's where you should be charging people. So what do you think about like when SoundCloud was um, charging like was it $10 or $15 a month for, for listeners? 
because I, like, yeah. I never understood that just in terms of like SoundCloud I never I come for like free sounds like I come for for independent artists I don't go to SoundCloud to listen to like you know Kanye or something well mixing in the Kanye and like um, Linkin Park Maroon 5 mixing all of that into like your independent artists I thought was really interesting because you could listen to Chance the Rapper and then listen to Kanye so paying ten dollars a month was not a problem for me I could download my music I could listen to SoundCloud I could listen to my podcast it was all one centralized spot but maybe for paying fifteen dollars a month they gave me like some way to like like coins or something or credits like I get five credits a month and I can give those five credits to chance or a podcast and that way they can host more stuff on on the SoundCloud platform there's ways to do it to where they're supporting the creators and it makes it seem like everyone's like supporting the creator and they're not just helping SoundCloud stay afloat like no one thinks like oh SoundCloud's the way to do it SoundCloud's the way to do it they're thinking like oh I guess I have to pay because I want to listen to Kanye and Chance at the same time Right, because like a lot of other music services are like, you know, pay $10 a month, but you're still kind of like supporting, you know, the the stream stream plays for the artists and they get a small portion of that. But yeah, I guess... everyone, sorry, everyone thinks like Spotify is so dirty because you pay $10 and they think Spotify takes all that money and doesn't give it to the artist. So SoundCloud needs to make it clear that this money goes to the artist. Break it down. Say $5 goes to us, $5 is split up into the artist. Mm-hmm. make it clear that the artist is making money and the other thing like they should have marketed that better they should have made that clear that they're you know the portion of the money is going to go to the artist but also like i i didn't you know i didn't like realize like when they're doing that uh, monthly service i'm like wait why would i pay for soundcloud i don't think they're really making it clear and branding enough to be like hey we're combining all the music that you want to hear you know you're you're like you know you're Kanye and you're looking park and your chance to rapper and podcast like all into a single app and service like they didn't really brand it or market it that way so I feel like they, if they made that clear to users um, like it would have been that that would have worked out I feel like yeah now I can say all this but I never paid for SoundCloud I actually like our podcast we have a deal with with SoundCloud in the early days to test out their beta when they started doing the paid plans to upload their music in the podcast. So we've never actually paid for any of that stuff. So I'm maybe part of the problem. I didn't help fund SoundCloud because I was part of their beta test. And then on top of that, I never paid that $10 a month to listen to Kanye and Chance at the same time or download my music. I was already paying into YouTube Red and doing all that I was like ah, do I need another service I'm like SoundCloud and eh, no I can listen to all my music for free there so there should have been like maybe if they spun it like title saying it's for the artist helping the artist they they could have had a better chance <laughs> yeah and I mean I, I still think they have a, a chance to flip this around I, I keep saying chance like chance the rapper but uh, yeah, I think they still have a chance to flip this around uh, just you know because like there's such a big community like sound like you said soundcloud is such a big part of the web that i feel like it's gonna take a lot for them to fall like there is gonna be like if even if soundcloud dies there's gonna be another service like it just because like we like can't live without a soundcloud almost yeah it's just 
another service, another or something will, will come around that's better. I mean, like even when Groove Shark fell, like all of the streaming services they rose. So there's always something that's you know better that that comes along. I just I don't see a replacement for SoundCloud. Like if SoundCloud falls and they tell like us that or all the creators that we have like two months to get all our stuff off, like where are we moving our podcast to? Like Anchor, yeah, but then it clips it up. It just makes it harder. Um, self-hosting that's just a pain in the butt mm-hmm. and then there's like blueberry or or other ones but they're they're kind of expensive so it leaves you in this void where maybe more more services pop up but at the same time i'm like really depressed soundcloud is gone because they were just such an easy and efficient and cheap way to host podcasts and also listen to different things yeah it's a tough ordeal i hope they get their stuff together yeah, the CEO stepped aside. Um, they have some funding to last for a year, I guess, and hopefully they can turn some stuff around. It, it's not impossible, but I think it's going to be very difficult for SoundCloud to rally the troops and get everyone behind an, uh, a new way of funding the site. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about man, uh, password managers. Do you, you use a password manager, right? Yeah, I've been using Dashlane for like probably like at least four or five years and I, I, there's it has some issues but uh, it's been my favorite so far yes and I think I guess it was you who recommended Dashlane for me too I've been using it for maybe a year uh, maybe two years now I tried one password and LastPass but I had more problems installing them on my Windows laptop than I wanted so I just went with Dashlane uh, <coughs> sorry <coughs> Oh man, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, uh, there's this new research out though that says that there what each service is able to be broken into. So how long it takes one password, keep pass, last pass, and dashlane to be broken into, and based on like the chart, um, Office 2016, it, it's, it's super short. Dashlane looks like the safest like safest bet yeah so can you explain this chart a little bit because it says like passwords per second and dashlane looks like in the lead with 129,000 per second it's essentially they were trying to break into the vaults and that's how long it like took them to like guess one of your passwords uh so yeah because the lowest is like office 2016 so yeah they were like essentially just breaking the disk encryption and trying to uh, like extract all the encryption data and they were just essentially attacking these services and trying to figure out which one they could like get someone's information from they might have only gotten like parts of the information but they're still like clear that some of these are vulnerable uh so last pass was like down there and then it's like one password and then keep pass and then dash lane that like one out against all the other ones. Oh, so it looks like uh, so it's a higher numbers of percent higher recovery speed. So Dashlane's actually, if you were to lose all your passwords and you're trying to recover, then Dashlane would be the quickest way to do it. Yeah. So it's just interesting to see like what these services can offer and which one's the best because everyone cons- like constantly argues about which one's the best. Everyone like just says one password, one password. And then you have like these fringe folks like you and I who say Dashlane's really great. It has its problems, but I think it's better than 1Password. And then 
you got those people out there like keep pass like oh you need to go out there <laughs> yeah i mean like last pass and key pass i feel like like last pass has improved a lot over the years but i feel like those two have been kind of you know not very ugly interfaces like it just it's just there to get the job done and that's it doesn't really offer any crazy features on top of that one password and dashlane is more like on the consumer end like very nice interfaces you know offers you a lot of nice features um now i don't know like what one password supports but dashlane can do a lot of other things so like you can store you know secure notes and um and all your payment stuff so that's why i really like it but yeah the obviously like the the, the best answer hold on my alarm's going off <laughs> Uh, yeah, obviously the answer is like to a, at the very least use a password manager. It doesn't matter which one it is. That's like the number one rule of security. Like don't use the same password for every service. Yeah, everyone will do like one, two, three password, one, two, three, four password. And these password managers like generate a random string of, of uh, characters and numbers. And you have a password that just goes in and it saves it for you. You never have to remember it. And it's just so much more efficient, I think. Yes, if you're not using a laptop that you're used to, you have to like copy and paste it. It's a little bit of a pain, but for security this day and age, I think it's so much more secure to use a password manager. They're mm -hmm. free to use. If you wanna pay the premium, which I do, and I think you do too, or? I was actually one of the like beta users or like first time users or something, so I haven't paid for it yet. Okay, so you're you were like SoundCloud and Dashlane is like you get in early and then you're able to get the free stuff. Yeah. Um. So the premium plans will offer you a little more syncing across computers and then also allowing you to do like secure financial data and, and other stuff. So they're not that expensive either. I think uh, Dashlane's like forty bucks a year or something. Get like some some crazy deal. I think it's like like 60 70 bucks for five years yes i i think i got that one yeah it's like 79 dollars for five years and yeah which which i think is a really good deal yeah okay so i was wrong it was it is it's recovering your passwords from the the password managers yeah that's what that's what i said I said high okay. numbers higher recovery okay speeds. so still they're they're still like trying to break into it in a sense but they're you have the information on, on your account you're just trying to recover mm -hmm. your stuff right okay yeah and i don't but know how still... how password managers fully work i know like when they talk security it's like oh we don't store anything on our servers it's like or, or i think it's you don't store anything on your machine it just like it just like downloads it as you need it or something like that um, regardless it's like strong encryption and stuff but i don't fully know like supposedly they can't get hacked, but I know, I don't know, was it LastPass that had some sort of password breach? I don't remember. I think it was one password that had a breach in their core like system, but they weren't able to get into any of the password systems. Right, and regardless, like even if they're, like the data would be highly encrypted, so it's like the same thing with databases. Even if you get access to them, all the passwords and data is encrypted. Yeah, and those encryptions are, are so strong that it'll take you years and years, even with like a supercomputer to hack, to break the encryption. Yeah. So 
you're super secure and you don't know them off the top of your head. So if somebody asks you to log in on your phone, you can be like, I don't know my password and you're not lying. <laughs> uh, Bitcoin passed $4,000. That is God. crazy. Like, is there, I, is there anything that led up to this? Is there a re cause like why it went up? A little bit. Uh, those initial coin offerings, everyone's converting physical like US dollars or, or real currency into Bitcoin to, to buy into these initial coin offerings, which is just a way to fund a startup or a business or a service or something. So everyone's pouring all this money into Bitcoin or Ethereum and, and Litecoin or whatever respective one that you're buying into. That means there's millions of dollars being poured into Bitcoin right at the moment. Everyone's starting to like get interested in it again. And then the investors are seeing the price increase, which means more money getting pumped into, into the, the blockchain, the Bitcoin blockchain. And then on top of that, Bitcoin and Bitcash, it was just hard forked. Bitcoin came out unscathed. Bitcash, yes, it has some value, but overall Bitcoin didn't like crash like everyone was thinking. It has some updates to the blockchain to allow more mining and some other really complicated things that I don't understand. But from last month and just one month, the price of Bitcoin has rose over $2,000. So it's, it's just on a climb that doesn't appear to be stopping. Yeah, and I, I know that you think that like Ethereum is kind of on that same pathway. It's going to be up there within like the, the, the grants, um, I don't know, pretty soon. Every analyst claims Ethereum is going to go up, and I hope so because I've invested in Ethereum. But right now, Ethereum's at 286, but it's been lingering at like 300. Uh, I, I don't know when it's going to go up i think in the long term in the five year like long term here ethereum smart contracts which allow like like different just it's so many things and it's kind of hard to explain uh the, the, the thing that i'm scared of honestly like because cause i bought like two litecoins um and that was purely based off like well i missed out on bitcoin i missed out on ethereum i don't want to make that same you know quote unquote mistake I feel like the same thing like I feel like there's nothing really backing like Ethereum or or Litecoin going up it's just based on like oh man I you know Bitcoin went up like based on history I want to invest in in cryptocurrency now like people don't want to make the same mistake and I feel and I'm scared that that's not going to be something like I feel like Ethereum is not going to be you know a thousand or two thousand dollars in the future and then people are like you know they're gonna lose money from that yes and no um ethereum so the theory is ethereum is going I mean, to i know there's like some improvements the, that that each like yes. cryptocurrency makes over bitcoin well they're so the smart contracts that i was talking about everyone is calling ethereum the next internet because the smart contracts you can like host different things you can like connect to applications and run without fraud, downtown, or third-party interference. So essentially what Ethereum is, is another internet. It's, it's a blockchain that's an internet. So you can connect to the Ethereum network and you can like connect an application through that, that blockchain. And then you know that there's no fraud, there's no fake news on there. There's no, no like chance of any third-party interrupting that connection. 
So it's good, it's good to have that knowledge. So everyone's saying that as people start adopting smart contracts in Ethereum, that you're gonna start mining more, you're gonna start buying into Ethereum, you're gonna pay into Ethereum, and there's gonna be so much usage of Ethereum that price is gonna skyrocket. That's, that's why everyone's saying, look, Bitcoin was just on speculation. Ethereum's gonna be a price raise because of usage. Okay, that, that, that makes more sense then. So, so really, I mean, so you're saying Ethereum's not even just cryptocurrency, it's, it's blockchain, it's a type of blockchain. Well, it's the same thing as Bitcoin, it's a blockchain, but no one talks about the Bitcoin blockchain because everyone's just talking about the value. Ethereum, mm -hmm. people are looking at the blockchain more because that's what the whole point of Ethereum was. It was supposed to mm -hmm. make corrections to the blockchain, make it more useful, allow more transactions, and allow people to have have more usage of the blockchain and have more understanding of it instead of just so, thinking of Bitcoin. Kind of like that blockchain social network, was it Streamy or something? Or, or Steamite or something, Steamite. It's S-T-E-I-M-T, it's -E I, I believe. Yeah, so I mean, so technically that could have been built on Ethereum and then yeah, but, you could but they, weed out any you know fake news or anything like that. Yeah, you can weed that out based on the, the public ledger and you know that that site's Okay. never going to go down because the blockchain is a public ledger it's hosted across millions of people so that, that makes that's sense. why they say it's the next internet yeah. because bitcoin has some of that built into it but it's not as refined as ethereum right that makes sense i think i think there's still like some merit to what i said just because i do think a lot of people um have invested in ethereum for that reason where they just you know they passed on bitcoin and so they they don't want to make the same loss but oh, yes of course yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that is um, that is very cool with what with what ethereum can do like i think i i definitely would like to see more information that's like you know information on blockchain kind of explained um down to people that like that would like to understand it but don't you know like me and you like i feel like you have a good understanding of it but i want to be able to understand it you know explain it in in uh layman's terms to me so i'd like to see a lot more information on it it's so complicated that even when you do parse it down to like like uh, ethereum for dummies it's still like very complicated i don't understand all of it because there's just so much that goes into it so when you do parse it down it's like okay i understand this part of smart contracts but i don't understand how this protocol works and and it's it's just it's it hurts my head to think about it <laughs> I guess more of like the benefits, like uh, the fact that you can have like, you know, a, a, a digital currency, you could have a social network, um, just kind of the benefits that you get out of blockchain. Because there are people that, you know, use the web and don't know what the internet is really. So it's, I, I see it that way. Like I want more thing, more products to grow from this and for it to be explained like, hey, what, is, what does blockchain do for the average person? Okay, that that would be an interesting article. Maybe I'll do some research and write about it, but it I might get stressed out writing that. <laughs> <laughs> so the last topic is the, ooh, the, the tick, tick watch. Yes, yeah. yeah, so it's coming up to the end of the campaign. What the tick watch was is the Kickstarter that is an Android Wear watch. You can get it for 119 for the the Express Edition, the Sport Edition is 139 
it's just it looks like a really cool android wear watch it has 67 hours to go and they've raised 2.8 million dollars out of their hundred thousand dollar goal so I, this is the company that i linked to pebble and it reminded me of like the early days i backed it and it's just it's it's something that i'm really excited to see come out in november yeah actually i've told a couple of friends of mine about this because yeah pebble's like the best comparison just because when i got my first pebble i was like oh man this is this is really cool i you know when all these android wear watches come out they should be competitive and be around the same price but no they're like 300 400 500 dollars um like that casio like that g-shock casio watch was like 500 dollars. like that's crazy um and so it's nice to see an android wear watch like what looks like a decent android wear watch um for within that like 100 120 dollar price price point yeah so when it retails it'll be like 199 and like one or 249 which, which is the, still which, which is still like a way cheaper than all the other watches i mean even yeah. the, um, the pebble time round was like 250 right yeah and that was its own os with its own fork of like apps and everything and this is android wear proper android wear google has even tweeted about it and they've kind of showed support for it because yeah. honestly all the other watches like you said are expensive and that's why it's kept me from buying any of them i always say i'm gonna buy moto 360 and then i see the price and then i look the huawei huawei watches I go, oh my God, who buys this watch? Like, I just, you're going to have to upgrade it in maybe two years because the software is not going to be supported or the hardware is no mm -hmm. longer supported. It's so, basically like buying a, a, a new phone because you replace your phone every year, two years, and, you know, unlocked, you pay like six, seven hundred dollars. So sometimes, yeah, I, just, I mean, some, some phones you can pay like three, four hundred, but I, I just see watches more of as long-term investments. Like if you think about Rolex, your watch was a long-term investment or a tag here watch. You wanted to wear it for five to 10 years before the value really disappeared. Like a phone, I see it as a commodity. I need to have it. So I upgrade every two years. A watch, I don't want to have to upgrade every two years. I'm right. still stuck in that very old school thinking of that. That's how I still view it. And I think that's how everyone still views watches. They don't want to pay $400 for a watch that they're going to need to buy again in two years no i do as well and that's why i like the the classic look of watches and having like a, a metal band and stuff like that um and and to that like i think it's crazy how remember when apple had like a gold watch band um or like yes. i think it was just you couldn't even replace it or anything it was just all gold or something which is just crazy considering that it, there's technology inside it yeah which does get outdated it's crazy uh, personal news. Okay, let's jump to this. So I'll start because I have the most. Um, so I said at the beginning we're working on a newsletter and an anchor-based podcast. It's going to be under the Gadget Smart branding. We we tossed around the idea of just starting it as a medium blog, and I I didn't get behind the idea because I just I thought it conflicted too much with Digital Bounds and the brand that I had already built around it, and I I didn't want to leave that behind. So now it's going to be core bite-sized technology reviews it's gonna be a newsletter and a podcast and that's it it's nothing more it's nothing less um, it's gonna revolve and collaborate a lot with digital bound so I'll get a device to review and then in gadget smart you'll see should you buy it yes uh, why and then any problems I had and then on um, like 
digital balance, you'll see like the normal like review that I've kind of refined there. And my big thing is like, I see all these tech websites from Android Authority, Engadget, The Verge, they're doing these like sanitized reviews. They label it with a number and they take all the editorial consideration out of it and they just kind of tell you, yeah, it's kind of worth it. This is why it's an 8.5 and then every other phone's an 8.5. What I want to like continue going on is I have this phone, the Pixel's really great. I think it's the best Android phone. This is an Android phone you should buy. If you need a budget phone, this is the best Honor Android, or this is the phone, the Honor 6X is the best Android budget phone you can buy. Same thing goes for headphones or anything. I wanna recommend what it is. I don't wanna like review every single phone and then have like, oh, this is a seven, this is an eight, this is a 7.5. I just don't wanna keep, I don't wanna do that. Like, I wanna have that editorial, like, opinion in there mm -hmm. so is it kind of like i mean i hate <laughs> referring back to the verge but uh, is it kind of like this is my next where they just say like this is the best laptop this is the best phone and stuff like that they're trying to do that and i think they realize that that's the route it was going but they still have like this editorial where they're gonna do numbers and stuff still mm-hmm yeah they're going to recommend you the best the best of guide like this is the best drones but all they're worried about is how many people can we get to click through the links right yeah yeah but i really like um the majority well, i guess gadget smarts already like out there i don't know if you mentioned the name but um yeah i really like that like the simpleness of this fact is just it's just a newsletter it's just a podcast um, podcast is just going to be an anchor uh you know it's going to be published through anchor and it's just like there's nothing nothing else to it like it's it's you know it's it's a project from digital bounds but um it's, i just really like the simpleness of it so yeah i i think this is a good fit for expanding what digital bounds is and doing it in a a new and trending way like to refer back to the verge the verge had circuit breaker and they were like this is going to be our social like experiment but then it feels like they just kind of kept it on the verge.com and Put it as a subcategory yeah i didn't like, like it was nothing really special it was just a logo for a category which is yeah I don't know. like i understand where they're what they're trying to go for and this is like what we're trying to move away from with gadget smart we didn't want it to be essentially a category even if it was a separate blog away from digital bounds it was like it's it's still nothing new um you know with it being just a, a gadget blog so I think it's something a lot simpler and also like takes less resources away from our side. So yeah, uh, it's much easier for us to like curate and, and produce. Yeah, and like you see like the Android Authority team, they're launching like VR Source and they're launching all these like verticals and that takes so much work and effort to launch a new vertical. A newsletter is like fairly easy to build and then a podcast is fairly easy to host and it doesn't take yeah, especially like dozens of hours away from me yeah uh the other piece of it is i finally have my pixel back like oh my god i'm so happy uh hopefully i won't need to send it back it's been smooth but every time my phone breaks it's about a month and it's always uh google's fault so they need to get their shit together for the next phone and there's a lot of rumors going around that the bezels are still there and it's just a hot mess we have note 8 rumors too and the iphone rumors are st still going so it is like the the like gear up for uh, gadget fall time 
So I'm super excited for everything. Actually, um, let's see, find this tweet. Because I Pinball tweeted, um, oh, here it is. So I tweeted uh, Chris, uh, or I guess I quoted um, him, Chris Lacey. He, I don't know if you saw this, um, said uh, it's, let me find the, and Twitter's like new. Um, Notifications? <laughs> no, their new like threads are really annoying to follow. Oh, I thought you meant their new applications. So, so this, this guy's too. like an Android developer. Um, so he said, the microphone on my Pixel seemingly died. If I get a replacement, that will put me at, a f at four different Pixels in 10 months. Uh, I reply back to him saying like, oh, it's crazy. Leanne's having the same issues, having like on, the th on his third replacement. Not the same issue, but having to send it back. Um, and he like agreed that it's crazy how many times you have to send it back in, but he disagreed on support. He thinks that Google's doing a good job. But I do think he lives in, like, the UK or something. And he said that he can go to a retailer with a dud and walk out with a new one. So what do you think about that? Because I know your support experience was, like, completely different. My support experience is, like, 50-50. I'd give him, like, four, three and a half, four stars. I give Google a call, tell them my phone's messed up. And normally they, like, just ask me to verify that it's messed up. But then they give me a shipping label, and then sh I ship it off to them. And then that day, normal, the next day, the next business day, they normally start the shipment of my new phone just to verify that the phone was shipped out. But that new phone is shipped like five day ground or three day ground, so it takes a few days to get there. So normally I'm a week without my phone. That's the big problem I have. It is a Verizon phone, like Verizon, but I bought it through the Google Store, so I could go to the Verizon Store to get support. But I'm not a Verizon customer, so I don't want to like have this little problem with them. Do, yes, like... I th I think it's a difference between like whether you're in the states or not, because overseas, like you know, in Europe, you can just like all phones are unlocked. So yeah, I guess you can go in and replace it um, in person. But you know, here you, you pretty much like most people will buy the Pixel online. Um, I guess some people will buy through a Verizon, but even then, I don't know. How good Verizon support is they might have to also like order a new one so they'll have to order it from Google um, and you'll still have to wait probably yeah um, that's that's just the wait period for me is the big part Google support is really great but just ugh, it's I'm just not happy with Google in general like I would say like the overall experience I've had is like 60 70 percent approval and then the rest is just why is my phone breaking yeah because oh, I'm, Apple, I'm excited. Apple store. Yeah, I'm, I'm still excited for the next Pixel. Like, I really hope they learn their lesson at the very least. Because like, what I do like, um, you know, obviously not at the expense of, of consumers, but um, I do like it when companies do have issues because then you know that on the next one, um, they'll, they'll fix it. Like Samsung with their, their exploding battery problem. Yes. Uh, that's all my news. You want to jump to your personal news? Yeah, I did like one thing here. So I have a pair of um, Audio-Technica ETH M50X headphones. They're got them for like under a hundred dollars. They're usually still retail for like one fifty, um, but they're like monitoring headphones. They're like very balanced sound. They're just have always been recommended as good headphones. Um, and I got this adapter for it. It's from. Uh, it says it's from Audio-Technica, but I know it's a different brand. It's like. I don't know, brain waves or something, but it's like a $50 Bluetooth adapter. It's also got an amp inside it, so um, turns my headphones into Bluetooth headphones and uh, amps up the audio a little bit. I, I, just something 
I think it's, it's pretty cool. I know it exists for other headphones, but I thought the price was, was fairly cheap. Yeah, that, that's pretty cheap considering some of them go for like $100 sometimes. But I like that you can convert some of these like wired headphones to Bluetooth because yes, the audio quality is less, but with that amp, you can still like get decent audio quality like from a wired yeah, wired it's headphone. like almost as because I really like the audio quality on these. So I've been reluctant to getting like a two hundred dollar or more pair of Bluetooth or you know or, or wired headphones because like I just really like these, um, and the audio quality like is almost almost as good as as, as when it's wired, um, and also like I can buy another like this is a cheaper investment and I'll, also technically I can just buy another one, um, and just have like multiple of these if I want longer battery or something like that. Yeah, that that's a great point. Uh, I think you have one more, right? Uh, plugging my anchor, anchor.fm slash sunnysinkio. Perfect. I guessed on the domain, I mean, the little URL, so I feel pretty proud of myself right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll also go back on anchor soon once we kind of like level everything out with Gadget Smart. Uh, I think you have to go to work and. I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably edit this so we can get it out today. Uh, I'll talk to you later then. All right. Sounds good. Okay. All right. Bye, everyone. Don't forget to uh, rate us on iTunes. Six stars. I know it's only five, but if you can hack Apple Podcast and get us a little more ratings, it will really help us out. It shares the podcast and helps us grow our audience here. Uh, you can find us on Pocket Cast, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, anywhere really with an RSS feed reader. Uh, Sunny is Sunny Singh IO on Twitter. I'm Leon Hitchens. We're at Digital Bounds, digitalbounds.com, and then very soon, Gadget Smart. And we'll link that stuff in the show notes below on digitalbounds.com. Uh, talk to you guys later. Anything else, Sunny? Nope. Bye. All right. Bye.